0: We all need reminders. I know I do a lot of times. That's why some people have big whiteboards in their offices. They stick little post-it notes to their computer to monitor. They have a little notepad that they write daily reminders about. Or even they tie a little knot around their finger to help them remember something. Although the full meaning of that last one kind of escapes me. But I digress. This week we are celebrating Christ the King Sunday. And Christ the King Sunday is a reminder to us. When we look at the world and see all the hurt broken things going on in the world today, we are reminded that Christ is still the King. He is King of our lives, and He has the power to transform us and change the direction of what our lives are going to. In this week's sermon, Pastor Justin LaRosa is going to remind us of what Christ the King Sunday means and how we can live it out in our lives. And after the sermon, I'll be back to give you a couple of next steps that you can take. Um, but in the meantime, go ahead, listen to the message, and I hope you take something out of it.
1: Who needs reminders to remember things? I certainly do because my mind is super bouncy. I make lists, I have whiteboards with things on them, and I set aside time for contemplative practice every day, but I still need to be reminded. This week on social media, I asked, What do you need to be reminded about? And people offered fascinating answers. Some were funny. Like, why did I even walk into this room? To attach the dang file to the email. And deeper ones, to ask God for help. To remember that I don't need to be perfect. And I like this one, that the world is still a good place and people are generally good natured. So what is it that you need to be reminded about with regard to God? Type it in the comments today's service, you will be reminded about something very important. And the church reminds us every year, just after Thanksgiving usually, on the last Sunday of the Christian calendar. Most people miss it, people are traveling, they've got things going on. This reminder was instituted in 1925 and it wasn't by accident, the world needed a reminder. There was great upheaval across the globe immediately after World War I. Tyrants like Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini were rising and their festering philosophies were taking root. People were pivoting, not towards God, they were pivoting towards secularism, materialistic pursuits, and holding on to the false hope that was being peddled by tyrants. Does that sound eerily familiar? The church wanted people to remember that Christ is king. Will you say that with me? I know you're at home. Will you say it with me? Christ is king. Today is Christ the King Sunday. But just like the people 100 years ago, we aren't so sure, right? We survey the world and we see wars and disease and violence and crime and poverty. We look out and see political idolatry and just foolishness, right? Right? and these festering philosophies still being peddled by tyrants. It seems like the social, economic, and political forces are crowding out Jesus's kingdom and Jesus the King. And you know, it's not just the outer world. That's not the only place where you and I question. Many of us have devastating challenges in our lives or in our families' lives or in our communities. We sometimes struggle Some of us have secrets that we keep in darkness and we struggle with anxiety. Or we have or know people with hurts and habits that we just can't shake. Loved ones get cancer or are impacted by the scourge of addiction. Our children struggle. And we see marital affairs and broken relationships that cause discord in our lives. Folks wonder, is this Christ the King? foolishness. So I'd like to invite you to name one thing in the world and one thing in your life that makes you question this notion, this doctrine, this this amazing statement, Christ is King. Put it in the comments or just say them silently in your heart. We'll return to it later. Yes, I think we need a reminder, a reminder of who Christ is, and what he has done for us. It's what the the church wanted to remind us with this Sunday. My hope is that you will not only believe it and proclaim Christ as King, but you'll actually practice living it, which by the way, is not easy. Jesus says, the gate is narrow. Yet no matter what's swirling in your own personal lives, and all the stuff we got going in the world, I I submit that we can proclaim Christ as King with our mouths and with our lives together. So let's look at the context uh, of who Paul says God is and what God has done for us. Paul is in prison when he's writing this, they believe. He's writing to a people he's never met and to a church he didn't start in modern day Turkey. His prompt was a visit from a guy who started the church named Epiphros. Epiphros shares with Paul the amazing things that's going on in the church of um, the Colossians church. And not only that, he also shares the challenging circumstances that this new, mostly Gentile church is encountering. And in the first few verses, Paul praises this church's faithfulness, their good works. He promises to pray for their growth and their knowledge and wisdom of God's will. But the pressures are real for this church. And they believe it's stemming from two different things. First, polytheism. And second, false teachers, including Jewish Christians. Most new followers in that time grew up worshiping many gods who ruled different areas of their lives. Others were worshiping angels and listening to false teachers. Jesus Christ had become just an additional God to their many gods. And it seems that not only that was going on, but then there were the Jewish Christians who were asserting that they must also follow all parts of the Torah, especially food laws and circumcision. Ouch in order to be followers. So Paul strongly rebukes these perspectives in this letter. And then in verses 15 through 20, he uses a poem to tell them who God is. And that poem is grounded in Genesis and Exodus, a few Psalms in Proverbs 8. It proclaims who Christ is. And this is who he says that Christ is. Listen to some of these titles. Image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, the head of the body, the firstborn of the dead, the fullness of God dwelt in him, peacemaker and reconciler. Truth is, we could probably do a sermon series or a Bible study on each one of these, but Paul says that God is fully revealed in Jesus, that he created all things of this world, including its rulers who ultimately answer to him. That Christ is the glue of it all. That he is the head, the decision-making authority for the church that is supposed to be bringing the kingdom of love out into this world. He says that he has overcome death and darkness and all that God is, all that God is, the creator of the cosmos, dwells within him. And that Christ made peace and reconciliation in the most unlikely of ways by coming here, Experiencing this reality, and then death on a cross. That's who Paul says Christ is. Seems to me that Christ is a very different kind of king, leading a different kingdom through the most unlikely of candidates' friends, you, people like you and me. Worldly kings wield power, they accumulate wealth and use force and the threat of force to get their way. Jesus Christ does none of these. His kingdom is accomplished not with power, violence or wealth, but through powerless love revealed in his death and resurrection. And our King never imposes rule and respects our freedom of choice. Our King offers eternal life that begins right here and now and is fulfilled later. He also liberates people from evil and kindles, and this is super important, kindles hope even in the most hopeless, of circumstances. That's what Paul is saying here. Does that even sound real to you? You know, I love what Mark Twain said. He quipped that faith is believing what you know ain't so. I don't know if he said it like that, but faith is believing what you know ain't so. Think about whatever you named in the world about being broken. Is it possible that you can have some belief about what you know ain't so? You know what? It's a mark of a Jesus follower. It's called difficult hope. Claiming Christ as King means to acknowledge that God might be at work in the world, even though that you and I and and maybe the whole country and the whole world can't discern it. Jesus' own disciples John the Baptist and faithful followers throughout history have wrestled with this when things got tough. They wondered like, where is God in all of this? How is God's love and kingdom unfolding in this? We aren't different. But you know, claiming Christ is what the disciples did. After receiving the Holy Spirit in act, something changed for them. It's what Paul did. And it's what we must do. You know, we believe as Christians, as people following in the way of Jesus, that God is not absent in the mess. He's inviting you and me, his followers, to believe in that possibility and to participate in his kingdom here and now. And when we participate in that, we kind of live out our mission here at Hyde Park, which is to make God's love real in Christ's kingdom. To bring the kingdom of heaven, like we pray all the time in the Lord's prayer, here on earth. So Paul reminds the Colossians and us what Christ has done. So he t- he talks in eleven through fifteen about the about who God is, and then preceding that, he talks about what he has done, and he kind of outlines, and I just categorized them in like six gifts that he gives his followers. If you reread eleven through fourteen, this is what. He says, strength, the gift of strength. Christ gives strength from his power. Second, endure with patience. Christ prepares us to endure whatever we're dealing with with patience. Third, joyfully give thanks. Christ enables us to give thanks in our challenges. Gosh, that's so hard, right? Share an inheritance. Christ gives us inheritance now and later. He says that we have inheritance with the saints of light. Paul says that we are rescued and transferred. Christ rescues us from what is and transferred us into Christ's kingdom. Not from the kingdoms that we're in, but the kingdoms that are here and not yet. And lastly, Christ redeems us and forgives us for our sins. Now, does that, do those gifts sound extraordinary to you? Well, they are. And you know what's curious about all this? Like Paul is in a prison. He has endured endless suffering and beatings for his faith in Christ. And Paul's response to who Christ is, is made possible by this. He had a life-changing experience and relationship with the risen, crucified Christ. He has experienced forgiveness and redemption, the kind of forgiveness which not only overcomes kings and kingdoms and death in the power of darkness, but also overwhelms the human heart with love. Paul's relationship with Christ has changed everything. How he sees God, how he sees the world and mess how he sees his own troubles, and even how he sees himself. You know, that's one way to see the world, right? But there are alternatives to what Paul describes. And you know what? I've seen that too. I've maybe even been it. It's to turn bitter. It's to look out at the world and people and be cynical or to be angry or to disengage, but withdrawing and soothing ourselves in the ways of the world, power, prestige, pleasure, possessions, all of which don't satisfy. They leave us empty. And, you know, we've seen it a lot across the world. Many get sucked in to the gravitational pull of fear-filled tyrants or political ideology that offers promises of redemption but doesn't deliver. Here's what does. A relationship with the image of the invisible God can change us, can change our hearts, can change how we see the world. I want you to think back to the concerning life circumstance that you named earlier, either in yours or somebody in your lives. And I want you to believe, or at least believe that I believe, that you aren't alone that you aren't alone and that an intentional relationship with Christ offers God's power to be strong and endure, that you will receive an inheritance that begins now and endures for like ever. And that light, even though you might not see it now, will someday overtake this current darkness. And along the way, you won't have to do it alone. The body of Christ, the church will walk with you. That's us together. And if you wanna explore who God is, if you wrestle with some of those churchy terms that we we're talking about, or you wanna explore what a intentional relationship with God and the church might look like, reach out to us. But there's even a simpler way to start. It's just ask God in, into your life, into the struggle, into your brokenness, into your sin. Ask God to be your king. A hundred years ago, the church began to offer us a yearly reminder to believe that God is at work when it doesn't seem so, to experience God's forgiveness and to begin to spread that forgiveness to others. Do these things and you will be proclaiming Christ as King. We got the reminder. Let's live it now. In the name of the Father, and in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, I really hope that you were reminded that Christ is still the King in your life, even through all this turmoil that we are living through today. We have reflection questions in the description box below if you want to go deeper in today's message um, go ahead and visit our next steps page at HyperQMC.org forward slash next steps to get connected with us i'm sam klein and i hope you have a great thanksgiving